want to talk about resilience. Resilience. Life requires a resilient spirit. Life requires a determined spirit. In order to move forward in life, life will demand out of you that attitude of resilience and determination. Let's define resilience before we go any further. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines resilience as the ability to become strong. I get a little strong. Look at the name The ability to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. <laughs> That's resilience. The ability to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. You see, a resilient person, it doesn't matter what you do to them. Resilience is the ability of something, second definition, the ability of something to return to its original shape after it has been pulled, stretched, pressed, or bent. So even if they've dented your life, Huh? Even if they pushed you, struck you, did whatever, they left you for dead. But when they came back, you were on your feet again. They walked away with your project. They stole your idea. They broke your church. They stole money from your business. But when they came back, so that's resilience. That's resilience. Dictionary.com. Hmm, I feel good saying that. Dictionary.com defines resilience as the ability or the power to return to the original form or position. In other words, when you, when you have resilience, you have elasticity. So it doesn't matter how much they pull or stretch or do whatever. You, 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 strong more. I didn't know this, but in medical science, someone told me and I read about it that sometimes when somebody breaks, at a certain portion, when they heal, sometimes they, 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 they are bone becomes stronger in the area that was formerly broken. So you know what breaks you makes you stronger. Yeah. Ah, you're, you didn't hear what I'm saying. Resilience is the ability to recover from illness, depression, adversity, or the like. Bawuans kuwa sena, se pagemega kuwa. 
You know, I used to have somebody who used to interpret for me in Zulu. I used to love him. He's passed on, this young man. You know, anytime I used some difficult words, he would just say, Paka mega cool. <laughs> Those who speak English, you know, there's English, there's English, but there's English. When you speak that English, you must drink some water. The word resilience is synonymous with the word buoyancy. To be resilient means that you are a person with the ability to bounce back. You bounce back from defeat, bounce back from hardship, bounce back from discouragement, bounce back from disappointment, bounce back from loss, bounce back from setbacks, bounce back from failures. You just bounce back. You're resilient. And the scripture talks about that. That because God is with us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, you know, we, 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 let's start in verse 7. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, we have this power, this anointing, you know, uh, but it's in a vessel that is not, it's in a container which is a clay container. In other words, when you look at the container, you, you, you couldn't tell what's inside that container because that container is so ordinary, it's so mundane, it's so basic, it's so earthly. He says that's what we are like. When, 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 when you look at us, we, we don't look like much. Uh, when you look at our struggles and our problems and our issues and our humanness, we don't look like much. But my goodness, we are carrying some treasure on the inside of us. He says this treasure that's in us is in us so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. In other words, the way the way we are so weakly and so mundane, it becomes evident when great things happen in our lives, it wasn't because of us. It wasn't because of us, but it was because of the treasure that we carry on the inside of us. Here we are, 34 churches. It's not because of our great planning and our great whatever. Ah, we have this treasure. I said we have this treasure. What is that treasure? The treasure of the anointing of God. The treasure of the word of God. The treasure of the power of God that is inside of you. It is that treasure. It is that power that wants to lift you up. To do what you could never do any other way. To achieve what you could never achieve any other way. It is a treasure that's in earthen vessels. But note what Paul says. Next verse. Are we afflicted in every way? Because you see, Satan makes sure he tries to stop what God wants to do in your life and through your life. 
And anytime he sees you carrying something, he wants to abort that baby that you're carrying in your spiritual womb. So what does he do? We are afflicted on every side. But yeah. we are afflicted, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed sometimes. I understand Hanan. But we don't despair. Persecuted. Eh? We are attacked, left, right, accused, all kinds of things thrown at us, persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we, we who live are constantly being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Let me read you that in the Message Bible. I love it. I love it. It says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary life. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we are not much to look at. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not much to look at. Look at your other neighbor and say, I beg to withdraw, honorable member. Look at the other member and say, I'm not withdrawing. Look at the other member and say, order. Look at the other member and say, I'm not recognizing you. As it is, there's not much chance for us. You know yourself that there's, we are not much to look at. Then it says, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we are not demoralized. Trouble doesn't demoralize us. Trouble doesn't neutralize us. Trouble doesn't stop us from dreaming. Trouble doesn't stop us from planning. Trouble doesn't make us to give up on the dream. Can I hear an amen? We are not demoralized. Trouble doesn't stop us from praising God. Do we have people who want to praise God in this house? Trouble doesn't stop us from serving God. It doesn't stop us from going to church. I wake up and go to church even if I don't feel like going to church. I still go to church because nothing is going to demoralize me. We are not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. He says we've been spiritually terrorized but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. But he rose from the dead. He says, in the same way Jesus acted among them, when they crucified him, he rose. When they crucify us, Jesus will make us to rise as well. We are bouncing back. We are bouncing back. 
We are resilient people. He says our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we are going through the worst, you are getting in on the best. Or somebody say, shaba, yaba, yaba, yaba. Let's talk about resilience for a while. What's this thing called resilience? When you look at it in terms of scriptures and our lives. Number one, resilience relates to the future. See, when you're a resilient person, it really doesn't matter what happens to me now. You'll still find me tomorrow. If you're not resilient, you'll never be able to apprehend fully what God has in store for you. You'll never be able to see the fulfillment of your dream and your vision. Never. You see, we live our lives, watch this, Barcelona, between two things. We live our lives between the fulfilled and the unfulfilled. Therefore, resilience is simply this. New development plus persistence equals resilience. So if you don't have resilience, you'll never be able to see new development in your life. But that resilience must be accompanied by persistence. Number two, resilience is getting up and going on another step after you have fallen. And Bazalan, don't be afraid to fail. It's all right. I see even the amens are not convincing. <laughs> when you're a resilient person, even when you fall, I've always told you the story of our firstborn son in Kataka when he learned to walk. We learned something from him. He learned to walk at eight months and then stopped and then started again at 12 months. <laughs> but you know, when he was learning to walk, he, it was really interesting. You know, at eight months, he, he walks, and then he would fall down, you know. You know, fall. And he was saying, Kati, 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 Kati. <laughs> then he, he smiles, looks at you, and gets up, and walks and falls. And even as he falls, he's smiling. <laughs> I got a sermon. You know, we pastors, we get sermons from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a sermon, I said, wow. Some of us, when we fall, we never put a smile on our face. Because the, 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 the guy has figured it out that the only way to learn to walk is to fall. No, you didn't get that. You see, now you are still sleeping. You, 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 you are beaten by an eight-month-old child. He's figured it out already that the only way to learn to be stable on my feet is to keep walking. And if I fall, it's part of learning how to walk. Not like some of you who have stopped your projects. You see now the amens are going. You've walked out of things because you made a mistake. Huh? Resilience means you get up after you fall. Proverbs 24, 16. I love it. It says, for a righteous man falls seven times. And what does it do? Look at the screen. What does it do? I can't hear you, Grace Bible Church. What does it do? 
He does what? Yes. A righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked. Okay, maybe let's not go there. They stumble in time of calamity. In 2 Corinthians 4, 9, we just read it now. I love it in the Amplified Bible in verse 9. It says we are struck down to the ground, but never struck out or destroyed. Sometimes we fall, we bite the dust. Yeah. So right, put a big broad smile on your face. After you've bitten the dust. You know, it's John Maxwell who says, you know, you know that book of his he wrote, Failing Forward? If you haven't read it, go read that book. It's a good book, Failing Forward. I've never heard anybody talk about failing forward. Yeah. We think when we fail, we go backwards. No, you're going forward. Let me explain this to you, okay? Okay. Okay, let, let me explain. Let me unpack it for you, comrades, okay? Let me unpack it for you. Let me show you what failure does. You see, when you're going to start something, you have all the theory in your head that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do It's all theory. It doesn't matter what you say, it's theory. You've never tested. Then when you start the project, then your theory doesn't work. So you say, I failed. Okay. So, so you go back and you start again. Now, note, when you start again, you don't do those things that you did. You start a new process and a different approach and then it works. Now here it is. Here's another guy who hasn't started at all. Criticizing you that, oh, you failed. Born and now he's trying even for the second time. But remember, he hasn't started. He hasn't learned what you've learned. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. So when he starts, he's going to apply the foolish principles you applied. And he's going to fail just like you failed. So between you and him, who is ahead between the two? I would rather fail doing something than become a spectator who does nothing. So when you fail, even if it didn't work, at least you learn what not to do next time. You already know that doesn't work. You see, this is for me the advantage of leading our pastors and helping them to start churches. Sometimes they come with this you know, bright ideas. And I say, that's not going to work. And you know, people who haven't done it, they, say, they look at you like, no, you don't know. I say, what do you mean I don't know? 33 years? You mean in 33 years, you mean I don't even know? <laughs> see, see, the thing is, when you haven't tried something, you don't understand that it won't work. You know? You know, we tell young people, and, and I'm going to talk about it next year. I won't talk about it now, but I'll just give you a teaser. There are certain things that I think young people must start early to do. This is the old people who are saying amen. The young people are quiet. They are saying amen out of experience, even if they don't know. One of them is to, to teach young people to invest in the right things. I'm telling you. Now, now you see, when I was younger, I, I, even if they told me, I didn't believe what I was told. You see? One of the things, and I'm saying this lovingly, please don't judge me. Please, mercy. I'm saying it with a pastor's heart. Don't, don't put other interpretations to it. Okay? 
I am advising our young people to marry early. Mamela, oh, oh, oh. No, 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 no. Let me just say this. I'm saying this in love. Please understand. All over the world, people are getting married later and later. And it's fine because we, we, we have other priorities. I don't mind that. The challenge comes to children. When we start having children, it's very challenging to start having children at 50 years. Ladies, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, listen, it's a, it's a medical fact. Even if you can look at me like that, it's a medical fact. With the men as well, not all of them, but with some, it's even more difficult to have a healthy sperm the older you get. The older you get, you start firing blanks. No, 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 no. Don't give me that look. I'm just telling you what the medical people are saying. It's not me. I'm just, I'm just quoting. You, oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying, you people. So, Basalan, I'm telling you. I'll tell you why. I say it as a pastor because we are dealing with so many married couples who are struggling to have children. I'm telling you. You can give me that look. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We are dealing with so many, it breaks my heart. But when you, when you are 20, mid-20s, 30s, it's easy. Even physically speaking, ladies, your body is still much more able to bear a pregnancy without you falling apart. How? Now, you see, now, 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 Mama Lambazalan, listen, listen. Because we want to actualize our lives, which we should do, in our attempt to correct certain things, there are other things we are finding out in the process. One of them that I'm going to talk about next year a lot is to show people that, Bonam Bazalan, there's nothing wrong with money and wealth, but it will never give you contentment. You thought if you bought a car, you'll be the happiest person in the world. You're only happy for one week. After one week, you went back to your same old, ugly, depressed self. But you see, if somebody who has a car tells you that and you've never owned a car, you look at them like, huh? But that's not the point. That's not the point. So what I'm trying to say is that Failure is an educator. It's an educator. It's an educator. Can I just say something? Now that I've started all this, I can't stop. Can I say it, my brother? Can you give me permission? You give me permission? They'll blame you, ne? If I say something they don't like, they'll blame you. Just leave on some television. When I was working at Rayma years ago, it really struck me when I was interacting with a lot of white people. Because you see, the, 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 the phenomenon of working families, both male and female, there's nothing wrong with it. But white people were much more ahead than us. Many of them. Many of them. Many of them. Many of them. When I started working among white people, I found out something that I, I wasn't aware of. That many of them, as much as they were working, they, they either work flexi hours, 
or, or, or when they got into childbearing age, they raised their children, took them to school to a certain point and went back to working because they wanted to nurture the children at home. You don't like my sermon today. It's okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking. And I'm just talking. I'm just talking. Now, now, Mamelang, I'm not saying it can't be done any other way. That's not what I'm saying. But they found out that there are certain priorities that are critical. That in spending time with your children and building good personalities out of your children in the early days is better than chasing a career. Okay, you don't like me now. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Same with us as leaders. I learned early, you know, when my children were small, I decided I'll take them to school personally. I'll fetch them from crutch when they were at crutch. I go to the extra murals. I'll take off and go. And when I went to the, our children used to play tournaments. When I went to the tournaments, I'd find that, you know, when they played these kids, their mother was there, their father was there, their uncle was there, their auntie was there, the whole family was there. Supporting the child. Our black kids, they were the only, they came all along, nobody, not a single person came. Because their mother is working, their father is working, their father is trying to be chasing money and everything. And I realized, wait, what has happened to us? Now, because we didn't know that after we get the money and the big house, then our children are on drugs. Yeah, because we were not there for them. It, it doesn't mean it's always like that. But then we find that our children learned other stuff. They were parented by other people in our absence. There are some other voices that spoke to them, not us. So when you have failed in that, if you were to be given a chance to start again, hey, that's why the Bible talks about the wisdom that comes from the gray hair. You know, the only school of, of wisdom is life. There's no university of wisdom. You learn it from, if I was to start a church again, there are things that I would do differently. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know, the way we are, thank God I've corrected on the way. But there are certain things when I look at them, I'm 10 years behind. Because I didn't know. Failure is good. Because it teaches you what not to do next time. Thank you for that hand. But you know, it doesn't matter to me. But anyhow, thank you. And I, I want to challenge you, young people. Think about it. We've made mistakes for you. I'm not saying don't have a career. Don't misunderstand me. Go for it. Actualize yourself. But try to balance things. There are certain things when they're broken, it's hard to fix them. I was talking with one pastor in another place at another time in another country. It's a true story. He was involved in a, an organization that has a, it's an umbrella organization involving many churches. So he was elected as the chair and he got very involved in leading the umbrella organization for 30 years. And 30 years later, he now comes back to his church to try and lead his church and he finds that his church hasn't grown over 30 years. See? And he was saying to me, Musa, what you have done right is that you first of all grew your base to be strong, Pinville, to be a strong church. And when it's strong, only then did we start planting churches because you have to have a strong base. 
But you know, you only learn those things with life. You, you, you. So now, if, you, if you've done it wrong for 30 years, imagine now when you start after 30 years. I've got things I should have started 10 years ago. I didn't start. But failure is good. And learn to listen to people who have gone ahead. <coughs> to avoid the things. People who are hooked on, on, on alcohol, they'll tell you not to drink. Say, but your young people want. Today, the liquor has been sold to our kids. You watch them on television. They are selling liquor to our children. We tell them, don't go there. Say, no, you are depriving me of fun. I'm free. Born free. You say, no, you are born free. But don't, don't do liquor. Don't smoke. Huh? Don't mess up your body. Keep a healthy body. You have a long way to go. Yeah, but they don't listen. They don't listen. They don't listen because they don't know. Ask a guy who had to try and become dry and come out of being an alcoholic. Ask them. They will tell you what it is. They started drinking small, small. They started like that. So, you know, or they started like, we're going towards Christmas time now. There's many people are going to be experimenting with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, you don't know. You only find out when you can't stop. That you should not have started in the first place. So when you tell people, stay away, ah, he is a straight jacketed, he's not open. <laughs> but you see, people who have failed, they'll tell you, don't do that, don't go there, don't use your money like this, don't do this, don't even try to sniff any little, anything of drugs, because you do it once, sometimes you're gone. Watch people. I was watching not long ago, I was in some institution somewhere, in a hospital, and I was looking at this young man. My goodness, my heart broke. I was, I was so broken. You can see, you know, his, his life is getting out of him. You can see a young man doesn't know where he is. And he's in a condition where he's, you know. And I walked away and I kind of knew what had happened and whatever. And I thought, my goodness, if he had not started. He has this young life. Huh? Strong. Hmm? You young people, giving yourself to all these things that are popular, that television is making it cool, you think you'll escape? You think, you think you, you, the other people who went before you, they were too stupid. You know, sometimes you think, no, no. That's what they also said. Yeah. That's what they also said. There's many things I can talk about, Bazalana, but now that you're quiet, I think I'm going to continue on the same thing. Yeah. Bazalana, I cry for our young people, I'm telling you. I weep. I weep. The opportunities that are there, the possibilities for them to build their lives. Huh? Some of these young people, they earn a lot of money. My goodness. But my goodness, instead of using it wisely. Huh? They use the disposable income into all kinds of things. And 
then I wonder, when this young guy gets to be 50, will he still be able to walk? Can he preach two services like me? Can they travel the world and do all kinds? Can they still jump? When they get to 50, no, no, I'm going to stay on this because I feel that our young people are being lied to. They're being lied to. And unfortunately, because you haven't seen failure yet, you don't know what it's like to be an alcoholic. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it is to be addicted to drugs. You don't know. I'm telling you. You don't know what it's like to have your lungs eaten out. There's a man I was with, I was, I related with some years ago. When he breathes, hey, you see this person, they can't run, they can't walk, they're on machines all the time. The brother has money. Mara, he's in machines, he can't do anything. All the money he worked for, he can't enjoy, he can't swim, he can't go skating, he can't fly. He's a prisoner with all the money. Prisoner. Wrong decisions. Oh. He shouldn't have started with the first cigarette. Even your e-cigarettes. Included. Oh, you think because they don't smell so bad, they are cool? They, they tell you with e-cigarettes, it's still addictive. It may look cool with all that pipe and electronic whatever. It's when your lungs are eaten out. And you can't run, you can't function, you can't whatever, and you can't be cured. And then, then what happens? You have everything around you, but your health is gone. Yeah. It's, it's a sad thing, Bazalana, to, to, to reach a point where you should really be actualizing yourself. But your body is eaten out. Why does God want us to live sexually pure lives? Hmm? Why is God saying marry husband and wife? Marry loyal, faithful, have sex with her, with him, your husband, your wife, male, female, wherever you want to go, however, how often, doesn't matter. God doesn't care. Do it anyway. Kitchen, bathroom, hang from the ceiling, it's okay. Oh, you don't want me to say that. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Not only on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it every day. Yeah, Paul You must, must. You heard the story of this guy who was really complaining about his wife. He said, When I know every day you have a headache. <laughs> so let's come to an agreement. Okay, then now that you always have a headache, on what days can we have sex together? Then she says, on days that, uh, whose alphabet starts with a T. <laughs> so the guy thought, he thought, ay, 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 ay. So he said, oh, so what do you mean we must have sex on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Tuesday? <laughs> Some of you, you need a revelation to understand what I'm talking about. 
Why does God want us to be faithful? One person, marry him, marry her, faithful to her, do whatever, doesn't matter. Oh no, we want to be jumping in and out of bed with other people. Ping up all kinds of sicknesses and diseases on the way, hiding, violating your conscience. Huh? Right? Then you end up having children everywhere, all over the place. Even when you marry now, you can't tell your wife, Can the United Nations come? You can't even tell. I'm telling you, Basalama, I'll tell you something. Listen to me. I'm not condemning anybody. If, you, if it has happened, it has happened. You can't change it. But there's no reason why some of you young people. I've seen some of our young people. Basalama, let me tell you. Oh, oh, oh. I just see them. So young ones, I see them. Here's this child, free as a bird. Intelligent, beautiful girl. Opportunities to go to school. They can go as far in life. Learn everything. No responsibility. No anything. But somebody lied to them. Yeah. Yeah. You see him and trying to manage a child. Study It's not easy. So, no, no, don't get hurt now. Don't, don't be angry with me. I'm just saying, when we've done it, it's fine. We didn't know. But there's no reason for those of you. And let's not lie to our young people. Let's tell them the truth. Let's not lie to them. Listen, young people. Children change your life forever. Once you get a child, that is if you are a responsible person, because some of you, you get a child, you leave them with your grandmother. So you'll never learn. Because But if you take responsibility, when we got our children, I realized, hey, Hobalongwana is nip up and place. I don't even time to be a good parent. So you realize, oh my goodness, let me not sacrifice the freedoms of my being single. When I'm single, let me study, let me go to school, let me get a career, let me build a business, let me go on with my vision. So that when the child for children comes, at least I have gone ahead to establish myself. But we do things backwards. We do things backwards. Put this year, year, 12 years, how are you school? When you're supposed to go to school, really, really. You have an opportunity to study, you don't study, you don't go to school, you don't attend class, you're running around doing this, this and this, you're supposed to, you know, this is why when the Bible talks about putting things first, that word first is an important word. Jesus shows how it's imp- there are certain things that must come first. When it's a sicky, first the kingdom of God. The word first, there are certain things that cannot and should not be done before others. Because if you mix up things, your life will be mixed up. I'm telling you, Bazalwan. I'm telling you. If you involve yourself in things you shouldn't get into. I'm t- I look at it in ministry today. There's, there's young people who start ministry in a wrong way. And you tell them, don't do that. Your mother, they don't listen. Oh, we're well, not. Oh, we are the new. Then you already are, you know already that five years down the line, this is what that is going to cost. Then you meet them five years. That's great. I could have told you on day one that this is going to happen. Why? Because I also failed. 
And failure taught me something. See, resilience, failure is a good educator. Learn from your mistakes. Don't go back to the same old things that you did. Can I hear an amen in the house? Bow your heads, Basil, and close your eyes with me. I believe today is a day where God has spoken. Particularly to our young people. I cry for you, our young people. My heart bleeds for you. Because there's so much lies that has been propagated in this our lovely land. Things that destroy, they are presented as being cool. Things that take your life out are presented as that you're with it, you know. But I wish you knew how you and I, God says, do not be conformed to this world. Be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to pray right now. If you are here and you haven't received Jesus as yet, you know for sure that God is the one who changes lives. And you want to say, Jesus, here is my life. Broken as it is. All the mistakes that I have, but I know that you are the one who's able to change my life. You want to invite Christ into your life that he should be the Lord and Savior of your life. You want to invite him to come into your heart to transform you and make you a child of God. You need prayer. Would you raise your hand, please, right where you are and say, yes, I want to receive Christ in my life today. Just raise your hand right where you are. Please pray for me, Murut. My life is not where God wants it to be. Just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Raise a hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Here I come today. I bring my life without fear, without shame, without apology. God, I need your help. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. May I ask all those of you who raised your hands, would you please stand on your feet right where you are, please? Just stand. Right where you are. Just stand all over this place. Stand on your feet. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Just stand all over this place. There you go. That's right. That's right. Just stand all over this place. I want to pray for you. Even the people right at the back, I want to pray for you. Can you all just come to the front? Take all your belongings, all right? Your Bible, your bag, whatever you have. I want to meet with you in the front. Come, let's pray together. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every one of you for having the courage to stand and come all the way here. You know, I know there's some who are still out there who needed to be here, but, you know, people allow their pride to kind of hold them back. But you know, when we come to God, God wants us to be honest with ourselves. I found if I'm not honest with myself, it's not going to help me. I can impress everybody else when deep down in my heart, I really know where the truth is. And you know, sometimes people will make you feel awkward for making the right decisions. They'll want to make you feel like you're not being cool, you're not worth it. But you know, I realize when life is hard and when things are not working, all those people are not there. That young man I was talking about in the hospital, 
He was all, by, all alone on that bed. All alone on that deathbed. And all the friends who misled him and all the people who misled him were not there for him. It's even worse that when you die and leave this world, you're going to stand before God as an individual. And God's not going to ask you about anybody else. God's going to ask you about you. What did you do with your life? What decisions did you make? And when you've been afforded an opportunity to turn back to God like this one, it's good that you said yes. It's good that you didn't hold back. It's good that you were honest enough to say, I need help. I need God in my life. I, things are not okay. And well done, therefore, for being here. All right. Let me lead you in a prayer, please. And, and I ask you to follow me in that prayer. All right. Someone else is still coming. That's the way to do it. Well done, young man. Well done. Well done. Come on, if you're still out there, if there's still more people to come, come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I ask you all to follow me in the prayer, please. All right, pray after me. Make it your own prayer. It's a prayer of making a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. I ask you the congregation to join us in the prayer as you congregation stretch your hands towards these precious people. Can we pray? Follow me, please. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for coming into my heart and for making me a child of God. Thank you for forgiving me all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. All right.